Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm Phil Kirkbride, and today joined by Dave Prentice, Sam Carroll, and Paul Wheelock as we chew the fat over all the major talking points at Goodison. After the Blues signed off for Goodison for another season with a routine victory over Burnley, we'll be getting the lads' reflections on another win. Also on the disappointment that there will be no Europa League football on the agenda next season, sadly, after Wolves uh, saw off Fulham at the weekend. We'll be talking goalkeepers, Jags, and the comments of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, who is fearful that Everton and a few other teams could knock them out of the top six next season. Um, Prenno, we were talking about this earlier. Routine on Friday night, wasn't it, against uh, Burnley? But, you know, certainly routine, not something we should scoff at since, you know, considering some of the results at various points uh, this and season. And let's not forget, for the first time this season, we got a prediction right. <laughs> we predicted 2-0. <two> <laughs> okay, man. Um, no, I mean, OK, routine, I suppose, doesn't do a due service because for half an hour it was an exceptional performance uh, some really, really good quality football. Fluid was the word I heard used a lot around the press box. And uh, it was it was great to watch, you know, against a team that had given Man City, you know, so mm. all the trouble they could handle only, what, seven days previously. Uh, so it was a very, very good half an hour. And Marcus Silva said as much afterwards. He said second half performance wasn't as good. We didn't quite hit those heights. But certainly for that half an hour, you got a little sense of, you know, so what Everton could be like going forward under Marco Silva. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed it, and yet, all right. It, ultimately, it was it was a routine win in the end, but that shouldn't be used, you know, in any kind of disparaging fashion. Because you know, it was it was a good, it was an enjoyable performance, and just cast your mind back twelve months to you know what the final home day of that previous season had been like against Southampton. I mean, the the difference between the atmosphere around the place then and the difference, you know, on Friday night. Chalk and cheese, you know. So Everton look like a club that are heading back in the right direction again. It was, it was very enjoyable. And Wheeler, was that the sense that you got on Friday night that, as much as there's been difficulties this campaign, this real kind of flourish towards the end, and particularly at home, has left supporters, albeit one, with one game to go, heading off into the summer with optimism and, and feeling encouraged. Whereas if we'd asked them in January, and early February, it would have been, you know. Slightly different, of course. Yeah, massively. It's just the the whole the whole atmosphere, the whole environment there, and, and it's been ever it's been that way ever since the derby. I'd, I'd probably suggest. And what impressed me most about Friday is that we we looked like a proper team. Obviously, we raised our games for the Liverpool game, for for Chelsea, for Arsenal, and Manchester United, and and putting fantastic performances to get the points to rep- return that we did. But Burnley, we turned up, didn't we? It could have easily been one of those nights where it was flat, you know, end of the season. But for those 20 minutes, 30 minutes that Prano mentioned there, we really put them to the sword. We look like a, a team that is ready to challenge for the, the top six next season. And it's just where the appetite and we kind of like we were sitting there on on uh, on Friday with the supporters around us. And we were all, all, all saying, we like, wish the season wasn't coming to an end almost. Kind of <laughs> like it feels like we've now actually got some momentum behind us. It'd be great if, if we had another three or four games to go I'd, I'd have no doubts that Everton would probably be playing in Europe next season but yeah yeah, absolutely spot on real real feel good factor there 
Sam Richarlison has uh, been quite uh, strong in his opinion that it was his goal. Uh, <laughs> looks like the Premier League have, have taken it off him and given an own goal to Ben Mee. Do you think he's got a case? 100% on target. 100%. <laughs> <laughs> he plays, you know... The angle of the replay, wasn't it? It was the, yeah, angle, yeah, it was the yeah. angle of the camera, if yeah. anything. And, you know, to take it off him, just classic, more bias. Yeah, and to be honest, I'm surprised he didn't give him like a three-match ban or something <laughs> for having the, right. the, the audacity. But, no, I think I've said it a couple of times on this as well. What, what a sign of Richarlison's been. I remember, I think I was on holiday uh, when, when we signed him and seen your article saying we'd signed him. So at first, I just assumed you'd made it up. But <laughs> when, it was actually, when it was actually confirmed, and I remember a couple of my mates saying, and we were like, ah, oh. you know, Ed was chocking a little bit, you know, what, a couple of people saying, you know, it's just another waste of money. But, you know, I think people have got on his back a couple of times this season as well and saying, you know, he, I know a few people weren't too happy, you know, he rolls round and, and stuff like that. But, you know, a young lad, 21, to come from Brazil, doesn't by any stretch of the imagination look to know English or, you know, things like that very well. And he, he just gets on with it and just, just just a joy to watch him play. He's a proper street footballer, really, isn't he? You know, he, he is raw, but he's got all the potential there to be some player and hopefully an, an Everton an Everton hero, you know, and, and to have the confidence like that to be taking on those shots, you know. And you look at the goal against Manchester United and, you know, really, if it wasn't for how good uh, Lucas Dean's been after coming from Barcelona, you know, Richarlison would have been nailed on play of the season and really just so exciting now to see what he can do next season, especially if we can get some more quality around him and potentially some more quality uh, up front. And then just to add on to what Wheeler and Preno have been saying as well, just... You know, it is a bit gutting that the season's ending mm. now, isn't it? I think for me, the main thing is that for now, since probably the end of the Cooman first season and then before that, the Martiners first season, you turn up to these home games and you're just expecting to win and you're expecting to beat teams as easily. You know, OK, 2-0 on paper, isn't it? The easiest of wins, of course, but, you know, anyone who watched that game knew it was as routine as they come. And, you know, Chelsea came, you know, I think people fancy the result. United came, people fancy the result. Arsenal came, people fancy the result. So, you know, we're, we're starting to, to really get somewhere now and it's hard really to, to judge Spurs totally at ne- next weekend because there's not that much to play for anymore. But, you know, a positive end to the season and, yeah, roll on August. Mm. Roll on ATV Erdning in July. It's <laughs> <laughs> um, actually Kenya on July the 7th, isn't it? Kenya, nice. Yeah. So, um, lads, lads holiday or... Possibly, yeah. Um, <laughs> Preno, we'll obviously, in, in future pods and in, in, in coming weeks, we'll, we'll wrap up the season and look back at, at, yeah, yeah. at what's gone on, etc. But but in terms of the, tra- the transformation, if you like, or the journey Marco Silva has gone on with the supporters, did you feel that, that Friday was another important sort of marker, if you like, for him? And, you know, as, as everybody's encouraged about the team, do you sense that people are equally as optimistic about the manager now as well? 100%. Um, he joined in the lap of appreciation. Uh, I mean, the, the Tanoi announcer was quite pointedly, you know, announcing him. And here's Marco Silva. But he did get, you know, so very, very generous applause. Uh, and yeah, let's face, you know, facts. Probably two months ago, three months ago, round about the time of the FA Cup exit, there were a lot of fans that had their doubts. They weren't sure, you know, if he was a manager that could take Everton forward. They'd seen his previous experiences in English football of being bright starts followed by a bit of a rocky spell and wondered if a similar situation was going to happen at Everton. Uh, It did. He had the little dip, but, you know, he's come back from that. And all those problems seem to have been ironed out. You know, the 
the club is you know defending so much better now. Eight out of ten clean sheets now. Incredible. And as Jordan Pickford said afterwards, I've done nothing. So I've had nothing to do. You know, so it's it's been you know because of the quality of the defending in front of him and quality of the setup. Uh, but the, that hasn't been done. Uh, the compromise of affecting the attacking play. I mean, Sam Allardyce came and I hope to keep referencing him and you know shored things up defensively. But that was at the expense of attacking football. You know, so Silver hasn't done that. They're still going forward and attacking really well too. And you can definitely see a platform and see you know a, a plan a progression for next season and yeah like the lads say it's just a bit disappointing the season's coming to a close now uh, because there's a bit of momentum developing now and the club is starting to uh, look like they're going in the right direction but hey it's not a massive break it's only you know so six soon weeks be back, couple of months. <laughs> soon be back yeah and you know hopefully with a couple of judicious signings in the mm. right positions because there are still a couple of areas of that need attention uh, but with the right people you know, identified targeted and landed you know we could be seeing even more exciting stuff next season so victory over Burnley um, for st- sadly less than 24 hours renewed hope that we could finish 7th and uh, potentially get into the Europa League but Wolves victory over Fulham on Saturday ended our hopes of finishing 7th Wheeler what's your feelings now after all the debate and the, will we get it will we not get it we won't be in, Euro- in Europe next season are you happy about that are you disappointed Disappointed because it means we'll have to wait for a bit longer for more football, won't it? You know, I was quite looking forward to a first competitive game in the middle of July. Uh, on the whole, yeah, because I, I, I was probably more on the fence about this, about what would be better for Everton, whether to have European football every season, but having seen what it did to us uh, at the start of last season. But having listened to Marco Silva more and more, I'm actually, I was, I was fully bought into it. I think this is what Everton should need every, every year. If we can get it, it will improve the club, it will improve the players. But equally, now we we know we can plan. You know, it's this, the season starts in August. The, the targets sound like they're in place. Next season, there should be no excuses. Almost like we should be fighting for sixth, seventh, minimum, really. Uh, so, I, th- I think as long as we guys, Preno says, get the players in that we need and, and keep players. I think that's really important. I yeah, think Friday yeah. really showed it again. Zuma and Guy are just two absolutely magnificent performers. I think there was there was absolutely no surprise being in the stands. The, the cries of Zoom was probably the most like yeah. prevalent on Friday night going round the pitch even during the game it was almost like the fans were saying listen we want you to stay and Guy again just ever since like that transfer speculation or the turn down bid he's just gone from strength to strength he, he, he's almost like a different player now you know he's it's almost like got... he knows PSG are watching yeah yeah <laughs> well yeah it is the classic he's playing for a move and in, in that respect if PSG are still interested you don't blame him but I think that's big and like and I think if we can get all everything in order signings keep the players we want to keep maybe Europe won't be so bad and next year we, we can really go so for I'm it I'll throw one in as well uh, completely you know so weird one that the guy that probably six months ago appeared to have no Everton career whatsoever uh, certainly at one stage last season people couldn't get him out the door quick enough the last three games Morgan Schneiderlin has been the player that we first signed you know so for those three or four months uh, at the end of the season and I thought he was brilliant on Friday night Gay was sensational you know again he was absolutely top class but Schneiderlin was you know as good as he has been. Played very well um, against Cardiff. Yeah, that, well. it's a my, my problem though with that, and I was having this argument with Adam, is that weirdly Schneiderland's best for, best paid form for Everton have came when Everton are playing well. 
Yeah. And you know, from a midfielder yeah, who plays the six and a, and a whole midfielder, you kind of want him to be on what you've seen Gay on occasion when the chips are down to go, right, I'm not having this. Is that chicken and w- egg though? Is that Everton are playing well because of his performances mm-hmm. or in spite of it? You don't know, do you? Yeah, it could yeah. be, but then you do look at those lower <coughs> steps of last season and, and he basically looked like he just couldn't wait to get off the pitch quick enough sometimes. And, but then all of a sudden when you're playing well then, yeah. he looks like he's loving and he gets on the ball and he, he kind of does the simple things, right, which, so... I would say, and I'd agree with you to, to a large extent, then, although I would say in terms of balance and fairness we hadn't been playing well going into the Cardiff game and Marco went right you're playing today but we, but we still was, played well a very well. high pressured game and I think he had a good game from the word go yeah and I'm, I'm not saying then you know he's obviously an experienced player who's, who's a, you know played for some big clubs and played in some big games as well but then mm. again you know it was Cardiff we got in, you know we played well did we score relatively early on late, in that one late in the first half late in the first yeah. half you know and I don't know I, maybe it's just how much last season scarred me, but I still can't personally forgive him for some of those performances. And I, and I don't think that in the long term, he's 29. Mm. You know, I, I don't really think you're building a midfield yeah, yeah. around him. But I, I do I, think... I was playing devil's advocate because I did actually say in the box, I said he's clearly playing for a move elsewhere. You know, mm. so I think possibly it's just the fact that he's had a run of games, three games back yeah. to back, so he got a bit of rhythm going. It's but, just interesting what we do because Sam alludes to, I think, the, in many ways, what is the key factor? And that's his age, isn't it? Yeah. Does, does Marco value him as a member of the squad, despite being 29, going on 13, going, look, I can get the best out of this player. The mm-hmm. previous managers failed to do so. We need to keep him if he's willing to stay and, and, and fight for his place. Or at 30, on decent wage or not as as, as yeah. perhaps as, as, as vast as we were maybe led to believe initially. We, we need to move him out and bring younger and it's difficult isn't it he doesn't fit the model that Farhad Mashiri Marcel Brands you know so seems to be there's trying no, to implement there's no resale value is Gay, is Gay no. also 29 yeah. well that's the thing yeah Gay is yeah yeah. <laughs> it's difficult to, for me Schneiderlin and, and what he's done at the end of this season <coughs> you'd probably think at Gomez permanently and another central midfielder he's probably good to have around good, you know like has shown the last few games if you absolutely need him he probably won't let you down as long as you know you're, you're in a decent run of form, but again, that's the problem, isn't it? Does a you know a, a man who's played for France and, and played for Manchester United as well and came here expecting to really be a key player would that be good enough for him? No, it wouldn't be. And would Evan want to pay his wages to kind of mull round and sit on the bench and fight for a third, fourth place spot midfield? No, they probably won't. So I think that probably answers more questions, doesn't it? And you know, it's again for Everton probably positive that he has played well towards the end of the season because if we do want to ship him out then you know again like what we had with class and last summer we're not going to get back our 25 million are we but you know you'd still hope for something above 15 million to to maybe spend elsewhere so I think we probably will see the the last of Morgan Schneider and this season probably one of the, the strangest Everton careers that I've there's, there's been a few in recent years I, I remember though in, in that yeah. when he first signed I remember saying to my dad oh my god he's yeah. the best player I've ever seen you know, because he, he did look... I was wrong. Sam is very, very young. <laughs> you know, he looked like he could do anything. And then obviously we signed class and I was like, okay, he's the best player I've ever seen. And, and that, really, that didn't really take off. So, But, you know, both those names really show how much work uh, Brands and Silver have got on their hands this summer to find a central midfielder capable of, of what they want and, and what Evertonians want. Because obviously, you know, casting the net back to last summer, you know, he was very complimentary about Schneidlin, wasn't he? And that number six role that he kind of wants. So... You know, kind of, there's no one out there that I could immediately say fits that bill. And of course, Preno, um, no Europa League would therefore negate mm-hmm. any need or any idea that we would 
bump the squad out beyond what Marco and Marcel have initially been planning for. So perhaps less of a reason to, to be looking to keep Schneider. And I don't know, I'm just you know, yeah, putting it out there. I, I just wonder, I mean, Marco Silva was so circumspect about when he was questioned about Phil Jagielka's future. And he said that, you know, we've had meetings, but it remained between me and Phil. You know, so Phil didn't know himself, you know, what is, you know, what decision is being taken. And I just wondered whether that decision was dependent on Europa League football. And that's why Marco Silva was waiting before he made any announcements. Um, if Everton did have the extra obligations of European football, maybe you know they could have seen a way forward for an extension. Now that we don't, well, you know, so maybe this this will be the time to you know sort of say a very very reluctant and fond farewell to a player who's been a great servant for Everton Football Club. Exactly the same, you know, criteria applies to Morgan Schneiderlin. I think maybe the requirement isn't there, you know, anymore. So I think, you know, it could help in a weird way. I mean, I've been banging a drum that Everton should be in Europe every single season. It helps the club's stature, helps the club's status. You know, it, Club of Everton's, you know, sort of standing should be in European football. We're not. Uh, therefore, maybe, you know, Marcus Silva can turn it into a positive and shed some of that excess you know, dead wood, I suppose, is the best Trim word the fat, to use. Yeah. Exactly, that, you know, clearly needs to happen. Easier said than done, of course, because, you know, a lot of those players are on very, very big salaries and won't be moved on in a hurry. Emerson might have to take a serious hit and continue to fund a lot of those wages going forward. To be, to be fair, on, on the Jags thing, though, I just kind of think, you know, both parties been quite coy, but getting brought on with two minutes to go. It was quite good symbolic, symbolic, doesn't it? Yeah. doesn't yeah. bode well for anyone, I don't think, in terms of a new contract. It would not fill you with confidence, necessarily, would it? No, and especially if you're Jag and you're kind of sitting there thinking, Fancy a new deal here, Marco yeah. goes, go and get warm, mate. Yeah. And we'll Take bring the captain's on. armband as well. Yeah, to, to me, I, I think that probably, I'd be now incredibly surprised to see yeah. to see him getting you. I just don't know why he'd have made that. So, I know he kind of spoke about it afterwards as well, didn't he? You know, and said, you know, if Baines would have been on, I would have put him on as well. But for me, I, I think he'll he'll probably go now because you do have to kind of think you've got Mason Hallgate coming back, who by all accounts had a very strong loan spell, albeit right back at West Brom. You've still got a thirty million pound defender who hasn't featured that much this sure. season. You've got Michael Keane and and, and there's the care to him a question. So, you know, centre back will obviously be a priority this summer if we if we don't get Zuma, but no, I don't think we'll see Jags. Wheeler, what's your hunch on Jags, given what happened on Friday and what was said? I, I know in the press conference he was quite tetchy, wasn't he? Afterwards, Marco, he, he certainly oh, didn't want to. He, he did, he, he, yeah, three or four questions, him. didn't yeah. he? And yeah. I can understand yeah. that, but it did feel symbolic to me. Like you know, it, why bring him on if if there's a deal in the offering? Why do it? You know, it, it's um, Breno was probably right. You he had to throw in the consideration of Europa League football. There'd be a lot more games next season, but I just think the fact that. I'm sure Everton would love to sign Kurt Zuma. If not, they will have to sign a, a replacement with him. You've got Mina, you've got Holgate. I just think the time's come and I think Marco recognised that even though he probably didn't want to say it publicly. Mm. I just, I, I think it, it probably could be the best time to, to move on. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. You mentioned, uh, Kenya, obviously the confirmation uh, the, uh, last week, wasn't it, that we will start our pre-season mm. in July 7th. Do you think so, do you think managers look at these trips and, and think, oh, if if we must? Do you think Marco's thinking, right, OK, do we have to go all this way? I think you've summed it up perfectly there, yeah. I mean, uh, we had David France in here last week, who was an impromptu appearance, and he was bemoaning Everton's lack of ambition in pre-season tours. He says, you know, genuinely big clubs, you know, the top four have these high-profile tours of America where they play uh, blue-ribbon teams, you know, like Real Madrid and, you know, so Barcelona, Bayern Munich in, in friendlies. 
whereas Everton are going to Kenya. Now, it's nothing against Kenyan football, and it is the first pre-season friendly. July the 7th is very early, I think. Very early. I would um, expect the players would yeah. only have just returned that yeah. week. So it's clearly you know a sponsorship obligation. It's a huge sponsorship with Sport Pace, yeah. the main club sponsor, exactly, yeah. of course. Yeah. But I suspect, similar to the Tanzania trip you know, two summers ago, I think we'll see Everton go out there literally the day before. They won't spend a massive amount of time there. They'll fulfil a number of obligations, as they did last time, but then come back fairly promptly afterwards as well. Uh, and it's an eight and a half hour flight. Mm. You know, it's, it's, it's a good old hike. Uh, so, yeah, I suspect it is just a, a financial obligation that he's got to accept. And maybe that's why it's so early. I don't know, because he can then, after that, get onto the real nitty gritty of getting the players, you know, so as fit as they need to be for a Premier League season. Of course, we don't know the rest of the preseason schedule and Marcel is working on that. But what do, what do we have? Do we, do we have... Um, Unrealistic expectations of pre-season. I don't know. It's, you know it's, what was I want to win the Sport Pacer Cup every year. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> no, that would be every couple of years. It looks like it's going to be a, a permanent. Fixture oh, is the, is the Kenya as... game not for the Sport Pacer it Cup? Is, yeah, yeah. So that's you know that's part of the Sport, sport Pacer deal. Every couple of years, you know, the club look like they'll go over there. But in terms of you know what was wrong with last pre-season in terms of opposition? Look at Red. I mean, they we, we well. got battered every game. I'm just interested in thinking out loud. Do we? Do we as supporters have? unrealistic expectations that we will every summer go to the States and play Madrid, Barcelona, etc. I don't know. I'm just Obviously, people want the, you know, yeah. there's a massive kind of opportunity in America, isn't there? And people, you know, you increasingly see people rightly pointing it out on social media and stuff that we probably should be taking advantage of these opportunities. But first and foremost, in, in Marcel Brandt and Marco Silva, <coughs> Farhad Mashi, Bill Kenrich's mind is, is getting the players Fit and ready, isn't it? You know, a lot of the work for the manager's schedule, yeah, yeah, exactly. And and that that will always obviously come first. And you know, hopefully, I would like to see us get over there a little bit more and take advantage. You know, there is multiple uh, opportunities in different countries now now that we've got Mina and uh, Richarlison and and Bernard, you know, probably a South American market to take advantage of. You know, Cenk Tokson in Turkey, there's there's all these avenues to be explored, but. At the same time, yeah, you've you've got to get these players fit and ready. You know, even as last season showed, now, you know, the games you play, they're not always kind of like results don't always aren't the be all and end all. You know, it's getting players fit and ready, and and that that has to come first and foremost again this summer. You know, and, and obviously as Preno saying, I don't think Kenya's going to be a particularly taxing trip. You know, get there, play the game, and and come back and and focus on other things. But you know, these these play the these the people. Not just that we've mentioned, you know, there's a lot of people behind the scenes whatever, and a lot of data analysts and sports scientists who know how to get these players ready and, and what works in pre-season. So, you know, I think at the end of the day, you've got, kind of got to put your trust in them and, and the people obviously pulling all the strings. Pre-season is very, very important now. I mean, how many times do you hear players, you know, say, oh, I struggled this season, then we've got a proper pre-season under my mm-hmm. belt. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, they played in an international tournament, had a couple of weeks break and, you know, so they didn't quite get that opportunity to get prepared properly. Uh, it's it's very important, that period. And managers in the past, every manager has their own different thoughts on this. Uh, I was unhappy with a lot of Roberto Martinez's pre-seasons. I didn't think we played enough football. I think five games on one mm-hmm. occasion, which to me didn't seem enough. And OK, some of them are just glorified kick-arounds. You can't count ATV Erdening as a, as a match because it, it, well, <laughs> it was a kick-around. Uh, but I, I think, you know, certainly three or four games against high-grade opposition is important. 
Everton did that last season. Valencia was that last season as well. The Goodison, yeah. uh, the Rennes game. You know, so they, they were two de- games in Portugal back to back. Decent Porto opposition, and, yeah. Uh, Potter and Lille, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that was a weird one, wasn't it? Like, you know, yeah. 19, two two different two teams, twenty-four of hours. But you know, I think you need at least four or five just to get a bit of rhythm. So you hit the ground running going into the season. And of course, you say, Preno, you players talk about not having pre-seasons. You can think a couple of players off the top of your head who are probably relishing the chance for of a, of a pre-season. Yeri Mina obviously will have Copper America then come back. Bernard has finished the season strongly but didn't have any anything like a pre-season, yeah. did he? Um, you know, so important wheel though. But I mean, do you think again same question to you, do you think perhaps we have unrealistic expectations about where we go and who we play or Perhaps, but I, I listened to obviously the podcast on Friday, and I can and understand David Francis' points uh, completely because it it does feel even the, though the friendlies were good good opposition last season, it would nice to see Everton explore different markets and actually go on a tour. But that's from a commercial point of view and growing the club's fan base and and, and growing the club's stature. I still think it, it comes down to the actual opposition, you know, and. That, even Valencia, like last summer, I remember coming away from that game thinking, I think we could have a tough time of it against Wolves because of the goals we conceded. But it was clear the fact that we'd played opposition like that made us match ready. Mm. And then we started the season pretty strongly, didn't we? But I actually, I do echo David Francis' thoughts. I, I would like to see Everton go and do something like that because a lot of the top clubs do it. But on the on the flip side of that, do we have that kind of worldwide appeal that sadly some of our neighbours do and, and United do and also if you're Marco Silver and, and the club go to him right we're going to Kenya at the start of July and he goes okay fair enough and then you go right then we're going to go and spend three weeks in America and he's going well it's a lot of travel I'd rather spend two weeks at Finch Farm and one week yeah. away, away you know all managers are different you know so some don't enjoy these uh, these trips you know to the USA I mean was it last season Liverpool actually kept all their players on UK time while they were over yeah, there yeah. and had them training at like sort of strange hours of you know the American day just to, so that the players weren't suffering any kind of jet lag or issues when they came back. So they, they can offer headaches, but you've got to balance that up against what it does for your worldwide profile, you know, so as a football club, you know, what it leads you to, you know, the kind of players you can buy, you know, the, the financial riches it, it generates. It is a difficult balancing act. Every manager has his own thoughts on it. Howard Kendall always liked to, you know, sort of keep the team in this country, you know, for several weeks. He didn't like the idea of travelling, but we'd always have one trip in there, mm. which he thought was important for bonding, you know, players just to travel away together and, you know, sort of basically play, train, you know, sort of let the hair down, you know, sort of, you know, away from home, but only for a week, you know, so most of the time we prefer to play teams locally. And he always liked to try and finish as well uh, with a team against a lower division side that you would be expected to put four or five goals past just, you know, to try and boost confidence, you know, so try and send the players into the season with a spring in the step. Didn't always work that way. Sometimes it backfired. As me and you saw uh, in pre-season against Berry, they're obviously, there were a couple of weeks ahead of, of yeah. us, weren't they? And actually, they gave us a, a tough game. Very much so, yeah. It was, it was Although a lot of chances were created that night, Everson didn't really take them. But yeah, you know, it, all kinds of things come into it. Effectively, it's a fitness exercise. Um, and you've got to just try and get the players as absolutely peak condition as you can. Not just in terms of match fitness, but in terms of match rhythm as well. And I think you do that best by playing better quality opposition. Mm. And, you know... We don't know, yes. I mean, uh, only one fixture's been announced, but hopefully we'll be hearing about more in the near future. Indeed, and we'll, we'll pod about those when they get announced. So before we wrap up uh, today's first of two pods this week, um, ahead of their game with Huddersfield yesterday, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, the Manchester United manager, spoke about how he was actually fearful 
that they could be caught by Everton and a host of other clubs and knocked out of the top six next season unless they recruit correctly and push on accordingly. Um, Sam, yesterday's result will not have uh, <laughs> done his uh, mood any good in that respect. So, do you do, would you agree with 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 Solskjaer and to actually Everton and you know that, that's our focus. have got a real chance of getting crashing the top six. Never mind seventh, well, top six next season. Definitely, United points of view of that performance should be boys want knowledge next season. <laughs> that was one of the worst performances. It's all. You know, Everton, Everton's form's been on the up, hasn't it? And and, and United has, has been on the down. Mm. But, you know, again, when you look at some of the results, even your Spurs and your Arsenal's have had in recent weeks, you know, that little blip in the middle of the season is, you know, you could have probably... This form, you know, st- first few weeks of the season and last few weeks of the season, you know, if you'd have kept anywhere near just even a little bit of consistency, you know, you'd have been on the coattails of fifth, sixth and... You know, it does always seem to be forever. And you know, I was talking about it to Adam the other day, and you kind of think all the years we get knocked out of the FA Cup, you know, seems to be years where you could have potentially took advantage. And you know, you've had a Watford or a Millwall and teams like that in the semis and the final. And all the years we seemingly do well, you know, like in the league that time, the most points to ever finish fifth. So I think next season, you know, consistency's got to be key. You know, teams in this league, anyone can drop points at any point. You know, your Spurs get beat to West Ham at home, Arsenal draw with Brighton, United at Huddersfield, and really take advantage of that. You know, a strong summer. You know, Everton are going to be bouncing that first few weeks of the season, especially at Goodison Park. Get the side on, get a strong start to the season, and, and let's see what we can do, because definitely there's going to be your Arsenals and your Manchester United of this world are going to be looking at Everton, looking at that kind of skeleton of a squad we already have, looking at the form we're in and thinking they're going to push us all the way next season and, and we've got to do that. Brandon, do you, do you think it's right that uh, United should be looking over their shoulders uh, at us? Uh, well, I think the, the counter that Ali Gunnar Solskjaer used was that you know we need to recruit properly to prevent that happening. Equally, Everton needs to recruit properly you know, to make sure that does happen. Um, a couple of the players who've made a big difference this season, Andre Gomez and Kurt Zuma, we don't know what their futures hold. And I would love to think we could keep hold of both of them. But, you know, it's, it's a big imponderable, that one. And there are other parts of the team. I mean, Dominic Calvert-Lewin we've spoken about so many times. You know, I like the guy so much for so many reasons. But you want your centre-forward to score goals. And that's something that has been pointedly lacking. And if you're a team aiming for the top four or five, you need a top class, you know, centre forward, you know, absolute, you know, so elite player. And, you know, I feel quite bad saying that because I like Calvert Lewin a lot as a player. But, you know, you need absolute top level. And Emerson probably don't have that quite yet. Will Calvert Lewin become that player? Maybe, but he isn't there at the moment. So I think we need to think about that. And being utterly ruthless again, right back. I mean, I, I was. One of the people that was quite disappointed that Leighton Baines was hauled out of the side, you know, so so quickly after one poor performance at Bournemouth, but being made to eat me words because Lucas Dean has been magnificent all season. And so, likewise, Seamus Coleman, sad though it would be to see him making way, we could probably, you know, to improve in that position again, you know, so certainly down that side of the pitch, if we can get a player of a similar quality and standing to Lucas Dean. If that sounds horribly ruthless and unsentimental, that's because... You know, we're aiming at you know sort of big prizes, you know, sort of top four and five. Therefore, you need to be the very best you can be. So I think they are two areas that you know recruitment is ne- is needed in, and you know hopefully Marcel Brandt has got his eye on the right kind of players to do that. Indeed. Okay, we will uh, wrap it up today uh, for this uh, first of two podcasts this week, and uh, we will reconvene later in the week when we look ahead to the trip to Spurs and their new stadium, and of course. All of what that means for Everton and potentially uh, moving into Bramley Moor Dock, and of course. What sort of team Marco Silva should put out in a game, which of course has no 
actual sort of bearing on the season and the points tally, but we'll discuss all of that and more later in the week. So thank you very much for listening to the Royal Blue Podcast. You can rate, subscribe and review on iTunes and the Acast app. So please do. Thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.